Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. And welcome to the recommendation game, a film of the week podcast where we take turns to pick a movie the other person hasn't seen. We Skype each other and talk about it. Obviously, we watch it separately because she is in Canada and I am in lovely Dublin. I am Ricardo Deacon. Who are you? I am Orla McNeilis. This week's movie was chosen by Orla. Portrait of a Lady on Fire. France, 1770. Marianne, a painter, is commissioned to do the wedding portrait of Heloise, a young woman who has just left the convent. Heloise is a reluctant bride-to-be, and Marianne must paint her without her knowing. She observes her by day to paint her secretly. Directed by Céline Schiama, produced by Veronique Sila and Benedict Couvreau, written by Céline Schiama, starring Noemi Merlan and Adèle Hanel. Music by Jean-Baptiste de Lobier and Arthur Simonini. Cinematography by Claire Mothon and edited by Julian Lachere. It just occurred to me that this is our second movie where a young woman has just come out of a convent. And, uh... Eat this, the, the other yes. one, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Indeed. So, why did you pick Portrait of a Lady on Fire? Oh, because it's just so fabulous. Because um, <laughs> it was on movie and I had nothing better to do. Um, I was very, very happy when this, much like Parasite... Because uh, I don't know that I watched them that like far apart. Um, very much held up to the hype, and like I didn't think too much about this film before I put it on. Um, like I don't. I remember in January the Curzon Film Podcast did uh, a whole special on her. It's a really really good episode. And I remember listening to it at the time, and I was like, oh yeah yeah, because this is obviously our second go around with uh, Celine Sciamma as we did Girlhood. Um, I would, I would actually, I might link to that episode of the Curzon podcast because it's a really good interview. Um, and they talk to a female painter as well and like how they like, like something that this film tackles that we'll talk about that I really, really loved is um, uh, the actual process of painting and having to sit with somebody for hours or do it from memory and everything and the kind of craft behind that and stuff. But I would highly recommend it. Um, all the way back in episode 24 in 2017 we did Girlhood um, which oh, was Jesus. before yeah it was before we even had a theme song because I put it on earlier to have a listen and I was like oh because I was curious just like what we said about it and what you said about it as well um, so I kind of remember that episode pretty well but um, yeah it's so funny it just starts I was like oh <laughs> there we are um, also what was noticeable about that episode was my intro was like two minutes long <laughs> I was like whoa Jesus we've become very long winded um, yeah like this is obviously very different from Girlhood in a lot of ways and I, I find this one particularly interesting because you know we talk a lot about like um, like first filmmakers or that wasn't her first film but it was early enough in her career because um, that was 2014 I think and she hasn't made anything since um, so I'm kind of I'm enjoying that the longer we do this podcast the more we'll have the opportunity to, to revisit people and see what they do next um, I don't know if we said that about her at the time of like oh feeling excited about what she does next but either way she made this and I'm very excited so um, I, yeah you did like you, you had your objections to girlhood um, like about kind of 
the inconsistency of like the quality of of like you know between like the episodic nature and the style of it and then how it goes downhill once um it moves into the final chapter um which i think i kind of agreed with to a certain extent and how there are parts of it that are great and then parts of it that don't quite hold together it's not as cohesive as i would say this is she like this is i think this is her fourth movie her first film um which may have been like her graduate piece or something is called water lilies and i really want to watch it because it's about like you can see the kind of the development of her style but like in a lot of filmmakers how the things that she's really interested in are very apparent from the very beginning so like women and sexuality and like how women interact with each other and how in like females only spaces and like um gender identity and stuff um so her first movie is about uh, a class of synchronized swimmers which is used as a kind of a metaphor for above water you are like present you present yourself as this very like feminine and poised but underwater you're like paddling furiously and it's actually a really hard sport for that reason because it's like it's all about like presentation and everything i really want to see it it sounds really really interesting but um she has a style that feels like but also feels kind of fresh way of like portraying women and women's stories and yeah like she deals a lot with like you know coming of age and like discovering who you are or like characters like this who are like a little bit older but are given like just a little bit of space or a little bit of a chance to see what how different their life could be if they just had a little bit of power of like who if they had a little bit more control over their lives who they could be there's a real craft to this film like there's what five years between girlhood and this and i think she pretty much spent three of them developing this movie and you can you can see the the care and like everything is so precise everything is a little like the looks the cinematography the the clothes that they wear when they go to the the singing at the fire is like just an incredible scene i love about this film is that you know it's all women like the men have no real physical presence in the film and yet they're they're hovering over it as like you know absent they're like ghosts they're they're never very far away from control over their lives be it the painter living under the shadow of her father or this woman who's going to have to go off and marry this complete stranger or the woman who did it before and still knows that she has to send her daughter to do it because it's she knows that this will be the only way she can have a full life it's so interesting um the scenes of the process of the painting are so interesting like i i, I would watch like I don't, I've, I don't know if you've seen any of the um MoMA and uh, I think Tate has one as well, but MoMA ones are really good. Um, uh, as a YouTube channel, Irish, like the uh, paint magic, yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> we brought him out of retirement. Uh, the Museum of Modern Art. Um, they have a YouTube channel where they talk about like restorations and everything. They'll just kind of like show you how things are are brought back to life, and it's all very quiet and careful and considered. And I would watch an extra hour of this movie of her just doing the painting because it's so of her like how she finds the like perspective and everything, and like ah, oh, it's so great. Like I think it's a very interesting movie about art and like style and form and convention being forced in certain situations to have to conform within that and then like the you know the difference between her first portrait her second portrait and then the portrait of a lady on fire is just like oh so good there is just one <laughs> there's one great quote from empire of all places which i thought was quite interesting there are theme park rides there is cinema there are sacred love poems to take with you for the rest of your life thank you for giving us the last one celine <laughs> it's like, oh, oh. It's like, oh, oh. 
On that note, uh, did you think it was a theme park ride, cinema, or a sacred love poem? I'd like to report that I really, really like this movie. Excellent. It's weird because there are movies that I've liked more than we've done in the podcast that I see more flaws in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Is that sometimes you just dig a movie. Like, even if it's like, there's dumb shit in it, there's like <laughs> mistakes in it, there's like clear <laughs> problems with the movie, both moral and out of skill <laughs> from the filmmakers. But you go like, I just dig this movie. Like, I really like this movie, but it's weird. That's a, like, hindsight, I think. Like, it's a far better movie than Girlhood. Hmm. But I don't know if I liked it more. Which is weird. There's no way of comparing it skill-wise. Let's say this is a far more accomplished movie. (laughs) Uh, And besides Girlhood, even, like, other movies that we've done that you've picked. Like, the... um, How was the movie that we did? uh, The Circle Rouge. That is like a batshit crazy stupid <laughs> movie, but it's like I really liked it, you know. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of movies that like I'll be for the whole episode complaining about shit, and then they'll be like, "Oh yeah, I really love this movie." But with this, it's kind of like it's not quite the opposite because I still would highly recommend, it and I think that is amazing. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it is like. Obviously, with any media, uh, there's a sense of myself that I have to admit that I'm coming from it from a complete different perspective than the characters and the filmmakers. In this case, mm. it's uh, like a movie about womanhood and about LGBTQ issues, which I myself, besides having tangential relations with people that have those experiences I haven't faced them myself so mm. I, I can't never ignore the fact that some movies are not made for me I can still enjoy them completely kind of thing but I'm not the person that you're meant to relate with uh, but at the same time like I'm still blown away by the movie do you think that's that's really interesting that you said that because that, yeah, particularly in relation to Gertrude, because in that episode, you talked about, um, you had a Robbie Collin from The Telegraph quote about how he said that even though he wasn't like, you know, a woman, a teenager, yeah. black or French, he's still incredibly related to the experiences. Of and I years. agree with that. Like, I thought the film mm. was quite flawed. But if I remember correctly, I did agree with his statement yeah. that it's like, and I think that the movie itself does a particularly good job of it's a it's going to be a particularly hard film to discuss for me because there's something like and it's kind of an exploratory conversation. okay? because I love those because they still give the film five stars. There's no like uh, just to be clear, etc. But there's a slight barrier that is stopping it getting to the level that Ida did. Let's say that I'd be thinking of it as like one of my favorite movies. But considering that I don't see 
any flaws in the movie it's hard to like you know get to the point Work of why. why because at no point like the only minor issue to begin with that i had was that like i started the movie thinking oh, i don't like the the framing of the story it, it mm. shouldn't start with like in the future and then going back but then it pays off in the end so I i'm like <laughs> yeah so i'm like yeah i really like that also like i like the ending i think it's really really effective perhaps the only flaw that i have with the ending is that it's like remarkably similar to the ending of uh call me by your name which is like just like a shot of somebody crying and because yeah. that came first even though it's like different because this is like the music that is playing is completely linked to the emotion mm. that she's feeling well and call me by your name the music is separate to the environment is kind of complementing it's it. for us yeah. more than you know he's yeah so like i do understand that there's like a difference there's also like you mentioned that she has been working in the film for years so the mm. ending might have come ahead before call me by your name came out and it's just one of those coincidences in filmmaking yeah but I don't. Th- I didn't think. Of, I didn't think of calling by your name then. I thought of it more when I think it's on their last night together, and they're lying and they're talking, and she's like, "Don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep," and you can sleep when you're married. Um, and she says, "We, you know, like, oh, when did you? When did you first want to kiss me? And when did you know? Blah blah blah." And it reminds me of a conversation that they have about like wasting time. Oh yeah. I think they say it. God, we wasted so many days. Why didn't you give me a sign? You didn't give me a sign. I did. When? You remember when we were playing volleyball and I touched you just to show you that I liked you? And the way you reacted made me feel like I molested you. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I just decided I should keep my distance. I don't know. It's interesting because that obviously uses summer as a backdrop for like time ending. They're both they're both movies that have a very like clear end point to the relationship in them. That idea that you know that there is like an end point to the relationship, mm. especially if you're realistic about it. That it, even though like romance makes you unrealistic about things, like you makes you feel things that are bigger and it makes the world smaller in a way and more manageable. Because I can move country. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, like you did it, but like it's in a way it could have gone very badly though. But but more importantly is that like sometimes you can't. Yes. And but your 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 big lovey brain makes you think you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so like uh, in a way is the benefit of womanhood sometimes in the sense of relationship between women in this because it's in this case, it's easier to hide what is going on because it's yes. not so weird for two women to sleep in the same bed if they're girlfriends, mm. but it'd be like... Or be companions. Yes. Or, but it's kind know. of odd if there's two guys. And even like at the time, they'll be like... Because these were issues that weren't exactly brought to the fore. The, Particularly lesbianism, exactly, like, yeah. like that would have been. I mean, you know, I know it's like, oh, but it's France. It's like, no, not even in France. Like, not in seventeen seventy. What? Um, just thinking about the era there. I was thinking about because I I thought a lot about um uh, Zama, yeah. um, particularly when she's like, because I think 
color palette wise and like particularly whenever they're on the, the beach or any on like whenever she's in the boat coming in and like you know the i love the way that shot of like the bobbing up and down and her jumping in to like because it's like it's so well portrayed that like that water is cold <laughs> and like or for like taking taking in her her um her canvases and everything but um what year is zama's like zama is a little bit uh, earlier really i think uh no it's actually about the same time yeah because it's post-french revolution so it's even a little bit later it's probably early 1800s but yeah like uh, i thought that the the costumes were great it's also like interesting because they're always because there's no men around or men of importance they're never mm. wearing clothes that were considered the like dress up clothes of the time they're there's like no except for the big dress that she poses in the the rest is just normal kind of like the day-to-day clothes quote-unquote mm. which is like odd that that's the fashion anyways it's kind of interesting but yeah even the way their hair is is like up it's just up it's out of the way it's not it's not done and like how you can imagine that her mother is going to bring her to Milan now and she's going to be done. Well, like at the time, you know? the, I, I believe that they would be wearing wigs, like the in women as court. Well? Yeah. Oh. Well, like this is only like 1770, so it's only like about, what, 10 years before Marie Antoinette? Yeah. Something that I, I really appreciated because, like, if you don't notice it, you don't notice it. But if mm-hmm. you notice it, you realize how important it is for the movie is that the movie is like almost completely Mm close-ups of people and for most of the internal shots and a lot of the external shots they're using an effect that they used in uh, Lord of the Rings to make Galadriel, uh, Kate Blanchett's character kind of ethereal that whenever they were shooting her close-ups they hung fairy lights and lights everywhere behind the camera. So her mm-hmm. eyes would pop with different, like, like with a weird intensity that would be like, mm-hmm. when there's only like even the, it wouldn't make sense if you were trying to drag where the reflections are, but it makes the eyes really pop. And I noticed this happened in a lot of the movie, especially when they're like just looking at each other and it's the close up. So like, it really... It really brings you into her, into their eyes, let's say, mm. and just focus on how they're like relating to each other. And they really liked also the inclusion of the of the maid as the the third uh, musketeer, let's say. <laughs> I do think like there's something very special about that scene um, when they go to um, see the women of the fire and like. It's how it's it's how visually arresting it is, and like obviously her dress going on fire and everything, and the build up to it, and the exchanges of of glances through the fire and everything. But it's like the low hum of the voices as it goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And you're like, Whoa! you're like bowled over by the singing. It's so good. Yeah. 
I do agree with Saima Mayo that like there's something incredibly sexy about a woman smoking a pipe. I was only thinking that like because I've seen this twice now and like the first time because I I listened I'd heard I don't think I'd heard their review of it but um I heard like a couple of weeks after that where people were writing in saying oh well I'm a woman that smokes a pipe and like Sarah May was like yeah that's great and, <laughs> and then we were watching it last night I was like it is it is very cool like even if you're doing it in fully clothed whereas like the first time you see her she's like trying out her all her clothes she's got her canvases nicely there and then she's like right. Time for a pipe. <laughs> Fully naked, just like, hmm. It's like funny, um, I don't know if I touched on this to start, but the the like body positivity of it. Yeah. Of like as in of of like not even body positivity, but like being able to like show female bodies when necessary, essentially, but when not, just like they're just there. They're just yeah. part of a person's body. It's not you know, like even as she's like sitting there and she's like smoking her pipe or when she wakes up and that's you know, what you do whenever your clothes is wet. It's not like yeah, the purpose exactly. of the scene is not to arouse anybody. It was just yeah. the. When she doesn't have other clothes. Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's to demonstrate like, that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, it is, it is fabulous because um, it made me think whenever. Um, did you watch Normal People? Uh, not yet, but uh, just on the point on this before mm. we move, that I thought that it was like particularly interesting in. Uh, like female gays or male gays like regardless because usually for me when it comes to a movie especially if it's like about women attracted to women mm. if it's directed by a man or a woman it's still like it can be sexualized in itself so it's kind of besides the point and what i'm trying to say just to make clear uh <laughs> that i thought that is like it was interesting that the sexiest parts of the movies were the one that uh, include uh, didn't include any touching or mm. even like sexualness within the scene. It was just the the undercurrent of the possibility of sexual uh, heat or sexual fire in mm. the near future, like the scene that you're describing of them playing cards or. Uh, her walking in the fire but even like the build up for them to kiss for the first mm. time in the in the cave or even when she's like oh uh, I destroying the painting because she wants to spend more time <laughs> with Heloise and it's like in a way a sexual act to like you know it's like spear your like smear your hand over her face in a way, like, you know what I mean? And uh, I thought it was interesting that then whenever they are naked and they're like uh, in bed together, mm. it's not sexual because they're like talking about like future and st stuff like that. And like, it's always the afters of, of, yeah. of their of their like the real intimacy of, of just kind of like lying there and chatting to each other. Yeah, it's so well handled. Um I only brought up uh, normal people because it's really good. It's really good. Like I haven't read the book or anything, but um, obviously people made a lot of hoo ha about it because <gasps> it's the most explicit thing I've ever seen. Like there are a lot of sex scenes in it, but it's it's uh, explicit is not the word I would use. Like it's very tastefully done. Well, it but... surely is the 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 dirtiest thing RT has ever shown. Yeah, that's true. But like, it, yeah, it was, it was a funny, it was a funny thing. But um, they did an interview in the Guardian with uh the intimacy 
coach. Yeah. Um, she's very interesting just about how, like, this is, like, a whole thing now. And, like, oh, it's going to ruin, like, uh, uh, film and TV sets and everything. And it was so interesting how she was, like, some directors don't take very well to it. Because it's, like, you're trying to encroach on. And she's, like, so much of it is just, let's just take a moment talk about what's going to happen, make sure that these very young actors are not feeling that they have to do something. And like so much of it is just about communication. It's not about like, you know, like the way she explained it, I was like, that makes so much sense. And it makes that show and things like this so much more like, like more like, I don't know, realistic or something because they, there's like a there's an intimacy and a comfort or something from the people and the, what they're portraying and stuff and it always makes me think of something like um uh blue is the warmest color and how the stories that came out of like that movie about how they didn't were not comfortable whatsoever and it's like hmm. but um but the thing is that sometimes you don't notice when watching the movie like in that case like oh, in yeah. bloom the warmest color you don't notice and the, like even in the like, if you watch, like, Kubrick fucking directing, like, complete dickhead, like, obviously. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, the performances are great that like, he gets out of people. But in the end, you have to uh, think to yourself, if you're the filmmaker, is it worthwhile ruining somebody's life? But, like, yeah. I don't think they're doing it one way or the other. Like, that's the point, I suppose, that I don't think that it really makes a difference doing one way or the other. So, might as well do it the right way. Yeah, the, like, it's uh, the same um, even for filmmakers like um, Marianne or Marielle Heller who did um, uh, a friend of the pod <laughs> uh, who did um, Diary of a Teenage Girl and um, uh, Have You Won't You Be My Neighbor yeah um, and her talking about how like cause she's, she's like she has kids and she's like there's no need to have a film set that is like you work 14 hours your personal life means nothing he's like there's no you know like we, we don't have to have film sets that are so much like that she's like for she's like for us it's like you know being able to like have people have a life as well as making a film and like everything being very and i was like oh that's fine like, you know and you can imagine people being old school people being like no movies are death and fuck that and if you know if you wanted to make movies you shouldn't have had kids you know <laughs> it's like it's just interesting like seeing how she approaches it it's just and yet still gets great films out of it you know and they don't cost more money and one of the things that i'm fighting for and i fought for on this movie was um, a concept called French hours, which is shooting shorter hours where you don't take a lunch break and you push through and you shoot the entire day. For me as a parent, that makes this life more sustainable. And I believe it's one way to get more women behind the camera is if we don't have these totally unsustainable lives where we work 16 to 18 hour days. When I made this movie, I said, Fred Rogers would have never wanted us to make a movie about him where we had to abandon our children in order to make this movie. It's the part also is like of the argument for a four day work week. Yeah. That if people are not fucking Dying. off their feet, like they do better work. In, because it's not like the 14 hours that you do that day is the fucking 14 hours you do the next day. You probably took 14 hours because you did 14 yeah. hours the day before. If you had done eight hours, you would have done the next day in six hours or whatever, and like yeah. caught up. Like, like it, it's the bit whenever, unless you're in a very particular deadline that it has to be done, mm. like you know that you only have to room that building for one day. Yeah, you can always there's find always time gonna somewhere. There's always going to be stuff like that, and that's just the way it is. But I think, like, yeah. even from her perspective, she was like, "You deal with this stuff from the start." 
You know what I mean? Like you don't just go, well, just you know, like it's it's of like trying to build that into the film from the whole and every and every part of filmmaking, like not just in and actual I, production. I think that in any job, not only just filmmaking, is that also there is a preconception that we can run long if we have to, and if people mm-hmm. think that way, they take longer to do the first half of the day. Yeah, you know what I mean. That if you have to do like. 200 documents in a day or whatever it takes you half a day to do the first 50 because you're like ah i can i can stay late or whatever it's not it's not productive it's the lie we've been told and now we all work from home so there is no schedule (laughs) but uh getting back to this movie um have you has this discussion helped you uh work out why that barrier was there no, because I don't think that it is because of the of the approach of being female centric or LGBTQ. Because I I've loved so many movies from both point of views. It's not like that. I I need a strong male character for me to be able to relate with anybody. Uh, like it probably is like a movie that I just I watched it in a day because I needed to watch it. And it's like, if I watched it the day before, I would have loved it more. But at the same time, it's a movie that I can appreciate completely and still yeah. love, let's say. It's the hard thing that it's like, I still love this movie. But because I can't find any flaws in it, I'm like, I should like it even more. You know what I mean? It's like... You are so difficult to please. No, no, I, that, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm difficult to please. Is that no, I, I, I really, really like liked it. But you know yourself that sometimes you finish a movie and it's not even a perfect movie, but you go like, everybody should watch this movie. Yeah. You want to like get in a rooftop, uh, like with a megaphone and tell people <laughs> that this movie exists. And I was sitting there at the end of the movie going like, I really fucking enjoyed it. It's one of the best movies I've seen in this last year or whatever. And then I go, oh, what's next? Kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think maybe I was probably because I knew I'd heard so much about this film and everyone had like raved about it. And then I just kind of like threw it on one evening and I was like, oh and the same thing happened to me when i watched um pain and glory actually which i didn't have like massive expectations for and i loved it like both movies within maybe like a week of each other and both of them they were like there in my head i was like everyone should watch them all but i I was really looking forward to to talking about it and stuff like Mm. it's not um, maybe it's because it's like so insular and completely perfect in what it's doing in a way that it's like it makes a very good uh, discussion about like sexuality and womanhood and like the barriers that both encounter both in like barriers for both fulfillment and happiness let's say that Mm. it's unique to that sex and to that uh, orientation both men, men and female when it comes to the LGBTQ part of it. Mm. But the idea that everything is kind of like, even at the beginning, that it's almost like a discovery because even in a society that is welcoming to LGBTQ people, it's still not the norm. So you feel like another whenever you're starting off, let's say. 
Mm-hmm. But even the what she mentions about like painting that she had to do male nudes secretly mm-hmm. because it's not, uh, it's not uh, the done thing. Yeah, exactly. And you think it's like 1770 and it's probably was the same shit in like America in the 1950s. Like that (laughs) time really moves slowly when it comes to progressive ideas, unfortunately. Yeah, she I think um, Eloise says something interesting about, you know, why she liked being in the convent. Yeah. And how like, you know, there was music and everything, but she had uh, I can't remember how she phrases it, but like. Because there are only women, there's a sense of like equality. C'est une existence qui a ses avantages. Il y a une bibliothèque. Vous pouvez chanter, entendre de la musique. Et puis c'est un sentiment doux à vivre l'égalité. But even like the bit that she's discussing styles and things that is like there are even in the film is kind of meta on it like it's commenting on the idea of the movie that is like it's treating it as a normal romantic story because there's conventions that you have to follow that you can't just go in the genre of like gothic and you know there's a lot of little things she's going around yeah like but it's also like she it's like the idea of borrowing from other people to tell your story like pursuing like that the entire the movie in itself is doing the same as the portrait that Marianne is painting. That is like the idea of like capturing the essence of these people rather than like an overarching biography of it. So like I thought that it was quite clever how narrow the focus is. I'm saying this and saying that <laughs> of the barrier, but I'm not like I don't want to make it sound like it's a criticism of the film it was just like a curious thing that for me it was like interesting because i couldn't get to it it wasn't like internal external while watching it i loved it there was no moment that i was sitting there going like oh i didn't like this or that or the other and then when finished i was like completely satisfied like you know, like when you eat a well-cooked meal that has been presented like <laughs> deliciously. Mm. But the difference was, you know, like sometimes that you eat that and the next day you're like still hungry because it's before breakfast. And you're there like your imagination starts tasting the the food from the day before. You know what I mean? <laughs> that you're like yeah. kind of like, oh, that was so tasty. You're like wishing that it was leftovers or <laughs> you're like even if it was from a restaurant, you start like thinking about the next time that you're gonna go to that restaurant like find Don't any excuse to it that's very upsetting yes <laughs> cuban beans okay and they came out amazing they had like so much like umami and, uh, <laughs> and nom, nom, nom. i had the beans and it's like okay it takes three hours to make and i'm like Oh, but it's worth it. And I was like thinking about cooking it the next day and the next day or whatever. Just like, you know, I want to feel that again. <laughs> and when I finished watching this movie, I was like completely satisfied going like, oh, it's so it was so delicious, so tasty. But the next day I was like thinking about another movie or something. It wasn't like not even thinking disparagingly about it. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea if it's maybe like my mindset 
nowadays that like maybe I'm looking for a movie where like a crowd of people <laughs> I don't want to think about a movie that is like three people self-isolating in an island <laughs> that is not a bad point I completely didn't even think of that um, <laughs> actually yeah. I want people like waving flags and like fucking like licking each other's faces like just going like I can't I can't I can't watch that shit now. anytime I see a crowd of people I'm just like you traitors <laughs> I'm taking pictures for twitter <laughs> maybe that's why like i've been watching a lot of movies that is like a lot of people on the frame More is over. Yeah. <laughs> let's flood times square uh, for uh, hours i i watched a uh, uh, completely like separate to this but uh, that you mentioned about the why not? well it's not completely separate because i also watched it in movie and uh, mm. it, it refers to the idea of the <laughs> of the process of like the painting and stuff. Mm. I, I watched the the Bear of Bain, the Jean Renoir movie, the guy that did the rules of the game that mm. you really enjoyed. Uh, and the main characters are trained locomotive uh, engineers. And it goes into such detail about like their lives. It's like, oh, where do you go? Where do you stay? But it's like proto-noir as well. It's almost like a film noir, but it's like from the 1930s. So it's not quite. Yeah, going back to this, like, I, I think that the idea of process is amazing. Like, actually, oh. like, dumb might be it. The lack of people because I, I, I'm like a people person and I'm getting sick of not being able to be like around people as much you know what i mean yeah. and maybe it's the subconscious level because it's literally the only thing that i've thought about that might cause mm. that barrier that, that makes sense. sense though even for something that's so intense it's like it it is a sparse movie <laughs> yeah but like, like the only there's only like you know two scenes that have more than like three people in them and it's but I usually love that kind of like, uh, if it is done well and also not theatrical. Like the movie is yeah. only three people in rooms talking and it feels so cinematic. Oh, so yes. uh, like it, it's not a, a slight to it. It's also like a very uh, melancholic, uh, melodramatic movie at the same time. And, oh yeah it's mental <laughs> and i absolutely love that type of movie you know like it's proper like douglas sirk kind of cheesiness <laughs> but in the in the best sense of the word you know yeah like maybe it's just that like that's the only thing that i can let's just blame the pandemic yes <laughs> and move on i'm perfectly happy with that conclusion but it is a movie that i'll definitely watch again uh, uh and enjoy again uh mm. love again i loved it on the second go like every every morsel is like <laughs> like exactly it is a delicious movie like it's the <laughs> One of those few films that you can really compare to food. That, and also it's like, it's like that kind of food as well. That a rice dish that you pour like lime juice, but unevenly, unevenly around it. So it becomes, it, it's not homogenous when you're tasting it. It has like little peaks of acidity. Little surprises. <laughs> the hardest thing is uh, make a movie about something that made your life worse, but it was worth it. You know what I mean? And if you had the opportunity, you would do it again. Yeah. And it's yeah. like completely uh, as in the uh, 
celebrating, especially in that sense, that it's like you actually enjoy real happiness. And that goes back to before we go to better favorite things that in the beginning when I was watching it, I thought, oh, they shouldn't have shown the painting of the, the lady on fire, quote unquote. Uh, also, it was hilarious that like for one of those like super cuts that they have that is like that it <laughs> cuts like whenever like the movie seconds in. Quel en est le titre? Portrait de la jeune fille en feu. Tired of the movie, but I mean, I, love that. <laughs> I thought that it, like in the beginning of the movie that it wouldn't need the uh, the narrative structure that it has. But I think it gets away with it just about because whenever like the, the girl that is painting Marianne goes, oh, why did you paint me so sad? Uh, she goes, because you were. And then she goes, I'm not anymore. Because just thinking about Heloise, like in the beginning, it was like the sadness of not having her. But being able to remember everything gave her the 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 closure that she it, it, needed it's, it's like that it's like that scene in call me by your name where the dad sits him down and he's like we rip out so much of ourselves to be cured of things faster that we go bankrupt by the age of 30 and have less to offer each time we start with someone new but to make yourself feel nothing so as not to feel anything what a waste. Oh my God. That, that is one of the most misread movie moments ever. That like so many people going like, oh, does it He's mean that do. the dad is gay? No, it's no. like, he, it just means that he didn't marry the woman that he loved. Like he didn't do follow his heart. God damn it. It's not too difficult. I also, <laughs> I also loved that the movie gives complete closure to only one of its characters. Because for Marianne to see Heloise crying, she knows that she's meant that much to Heloise. So she has the complete circle of being able to say, I feel the same way about her that she feels about me. Even Very pure as closed. Yeah, that like even after all these years, my love is complete. And I know that mm. it's reciprocated. But Heloise doesn't know it. Doesn't know if it's like very good point and that like and she, all she has is like going to that thing by herself and crying it's like yeah oh, oh. it's the memory of it she has she hasn't been able to even see marianne's face in the painting the same way that uh eloise was able oh she and i love love I you've i think you've switched them there possibly <laughs> also i'm enjoying how you're saying eloise <laughs> Okay, sorry. Hell but, yes. But I absolutely loved the the whenever she painted, she got painted that she is like holding the book on the page oh, that opens. That's so good. And that is one of the few moments that is like completely lifted from another movie, but it's worth it because it sells it <laughs> because it's like it is in in essence the same ending as the, the lives of others where he goes to the bookshop. Oh. You remember the lives of others that like the book yeah. is dedicated on the bald guy like that is dedicated bald, for yeah. for the bald guy and uh, he goes and gives the book to the person to the shopkeeper 
and the shopkeeper goes, uh, uh, would you like it wrapped as a present? And the guy goes, no, it's for me. And it's like, obviously like a good use of language, etc. But it's like that idea of knowing because yeah. of like a subtle message that was left just for you. And I think that it is like in narrative terms is exactly the same. It's like lifting that little bit that is like sending little coded messages. But I think that it's interesting that Heloise is not able to receive coded messages the other way around. So it's kind of If only of like, they could have a phone conversation. <laughs> yeah, Skype, a Zoom call. Uh, they can't if, if only they could join the same twitter gre- uh, twitter <laughs> argument but obliquely self-reference each other without like completely coming out clean that they know each other but being by <laughs> each other's side uh like that's be, true modern romance yes <laughs> oh well um what was your favorite thing my favorite thing is their eyes like i think that it's uh one of those few films that you can like completely narrow down what's the window to the character's world. And in this movie's shot, it's completely... The, the casting is amazing because they picked two actresses with amazing eyes. But not mm. only like in the sense of aesthetically, but also uh, emotively. Like they're, mm. they're able Very to expensive. express a lot of emotion without actually expressing them but also most importantly their uh their eyes to show thought as well mm. alex and i were watching uh my brilliant friend the italian tv show that is like uh, oh. it's really really good the the soundtrack by max richter is amazing and it's about female friendship and stuff like that i think that you will love it it's amazingly shot as well like 1960s Italy as well. You can't beat it with a shtick. Uh. Uh, and I think that the only issue that the series has is that like the way that they cast the the actresses it was like mm-hmm. rather innovatively, but at the same way strange because they, when they're kids, they're just kids, you know, like uh, the the characters. But then uh, when they cast the second round of like generational kind of thing mm. they cast them at the age that they are when they start so they got two like 16 year olds to play the roles oh, okay. and now at the end of season two they're like in their like l- early to mid 20s and one of the actresses is better at playing that. that part kind of thing <laughs> even though it's not like it's not enough to ruin the show but it's like you can tell and also, like, mm. season two, it, like, the second half of season two is one of the best seasons of television I've seen in a while. But the first half is quite weak. So it's a really weird kind of that you feel, you know, like, with movies that we've discussed so many times. The, <laughs> there are movies that are not that great, but they really, really stick the landing. So you go in. But it's besides the point. When I'm talking about emotion in eyeballs, uh, this movie... <laughs> has it in spades and I think that it's like and then close second I think is the the way that they ally with the the with this servant because it gives the 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 political statement also that not there's not that much differing from being a rich woman and a poor woman 
especially at that time it's like it's supposed to be like a much bigger difference between being a rich man and a poor man Hmm. but like as a woman you still have the same small oppressions uh the only difference is that and also like i love the understanding straight away when it comes to like abortion and like Hmm. the the idea of what her place is and the idea of of love and having a boyfriend and etc they they just don't see it the same way that she does in the sense of like who to love but the mm. idea that sometimes even though you know it's a bad idea and it might wreck your life <laughs> it's still worth it kind of thing that it's better to have an experience that you regret afterwards than having not felt that experience and i think that it's so well portrayed without uh having a big speech you know yes oh uh, yes i don't think that at no point it speechifies even in the, her their arguments about like jealousy and the idea is like suddenly she's jealous about her going to a hospital she doesn't want but it's like the movie doesn't try to explain it because it is irrational but it's the whole point of love is the thing that is irrational but sometimes it makes sense and it makes the whole world make sense. And mm-hmm. it's very few films that are able to like tap in precisely into that to be both realistic and romantic. And, oh, and she runs to her on the beach. Oh, God. Oh. Big shout out to the fucking sea in this movie. Yeah. Which is very hard for me. I, was like, <laughs> I want to swim. So, so, I, oh, so I, what was your so favorite beautiful. bit? uh i mean kind of everything so like performances relationships um like the visual style of it it's beautiful um like not just female cinematographer but she works with like very gender balanced crews a lot like over and over again like it's it's a whole it's you know she's she's great i recommend looking up interviews with her as well she's really interesting um i do want to give a shout out though to the pacing of this because it's like it's two hours but it there's I, for a film that for a lot of it is 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 like long lingering looks it's a elegiac it's a tone that is almost an elegy like a a, a serious reflection it's most re, uh, related to poems like poems oh. that can be long and kind of meandering and you don't realize the depth until you it's completed but it's Why? also that it's like <laughs> Uh, just sitting there like uh, in the background usually uh, elegiac pacing and tone is referring to something that is gone that is like in the past even like heaven's gate in a way has that pacing as well the idea (laughs) (laughs) but no that i like that description very much um yeah it's it, it really like it's I, I think probably because of the the genre that she's working within, like not just this romantic, but it's also like, you know, there there are apparitions, there are, you know, it's it's melodramatic in different ways and um that it's 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 a oddly like entertaining film in yeah. a way for something that is so like like, you know, serious highbrow art house movie. Um and I feel like she has a real handle on how much time is spent within particular scenes and how much time is spent on different shots and the editing is fabulous and there's a very good sense of humor in the movie as well that mm-hmm. helps to the pacing and also like with the pacing it's like 
it's one of these movies that it, it manages to make an action scene out of getting a smile out of somebody. He took a long time to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. That's all. Oh, it's great. Uh, what was your least favorite thing? Well, like just before I get there, like shout out to the the script as well because I think mm. that it like it helps with the pacing that the script is as good as it is, like uh, it, it's even able to, uh, as I said, to like uh, forego my doubts when it came to the framing of the movie that I actually mm-hmm. owned it somehow, and also like because it is a memory it reminds me of a word in Portuguese called saudade. That is to miss something, but it's also like to miss a time like that something was real. It's like it's like missing something with uh, with a sense of melancholy that it's not there anymore. The reality is different. All their languages always seem to have a word for feelings and emotions like that that English never does. Well, like that's why they're they're so uptight because they can't fucking my least favorite thing in this movie is that uh, I suppose is that like I don't know what is the li- my the least ca- favorite thing. The, the, the aching chasm in your soul. <laughs> yeah, it's probably like a mirror reflecting my own flaws as a person, as an artist, as a writer, oh. everything, oh. as a human Jeez. being that uh, in a way fed on the... Uh, the energy of others and now that no other people are around uh he's starving for that meaning that it, it was so easy to to grasp back in the pre-pandemic days but yeah this was a good movie it makes me feel good about myself <laughs> i think no no i don't know like it's like i said like, there's there's nothing that like we're talking about like so minor details that is like yeah. oh in a, maybe like that is not even like a hundred percent wrong it's like maybe it would have been interesting to have a shot from the front of her face when she's crying watching the movie uh, watching mm-hmm. the the play but then it's like but it's completely the pov of the other character as the rest of the movie so it's like you don't get all that emotion but at the same time it's like you're there's a barrier between the emotion and you as it is between the characters blah 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 so like every bit that is like maybe there's something else there's an argument for it so it's like difficult to pinpoint something and like like i said I absolutely loved this movie. Mm-hmm. Like, really, really, really did. I thank you for picking it. Like, uh, like you're welcome. That barrier is more that is like the, you know, it's kind of like, oh, this is what is stopping the movie from being in my top fifty films of all time, rather than the, <laughs> my top hundred, let's say, you know, which is like. You're talking about like minor things, but at the end of the day, we're talk- we're our podcasts that are meant to analyze movies. So like, in a way, nitpicking it's, it's, that's our brand. <laughs> but like, I don't think it's even nitpicking because I'm not picking on anything in a movie. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to explore why. So I think like Ida that I actually found a couple of flaws in, I like more than this one. Must rewatch that fucking. Oh, someone was talking about actually. Carmode and Mayo were talking about Cold War because uh, have you seen Cold we've been War? Been doing like yes. Uh, oh, do we not? Why 
went to see that the cinema with somebody. Was it not you? No, I went to see it with Alex. So it wouldn't like I remember watching it after like oh. I have a discussion with with Alex about it. Like mm-hmm. it's a damn good movie. Again, it's like there are flaws in that movie, but I love it so much, and it's so depressing and stuff. Love it, <laughs> but but it, that's the thing. It's the weird thing is that like if I was objective, Cold War is worse than than this. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know. It's something like the I do think that maybe is the the thing of not having as many characters, or maybe that I just I didn't sit on the right day kind of thing to watch it, but. Yeah. But uh, like, not to take away from this movie that it is incredible. Like, it, it's like it's still a five star, ten out of ten movie. I'm not <laughs> like everybody should go out, watch it, enjoy it. There's no way of not enjoying this movie because it's entertaining. is has a lot of depth. There's a lot of emotion in it. So like, it is uh, a triple threat. And it is. <laughs> and if you're starved for intense gazes yeah. across rims after watching normal people, you watch this. <laughs> so, what's your least favorite thing? Um, that I didn't make an effort to see it at TIFF, <laughs> probably. That there were so many other things that I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go see that instead. And I'm like, why the fuck? I went to go see Human Collateral, which is a fucking like a can't even say a single thing about it except that Maya Hawk is in it and she's dreadful so <laughs> and it kind of ruined Maya Hawk for me forever so probably that I don't know why I, I probably should have made an effort to see it in the cinema is what I would say that I probably lost a little bit and um uh I, I think the same the I agree with you there like maybe that's it like the, a few of the other movies that we're discussing there that I mentioned mm-hmm. I saw in the cinema so I feel like sound is quite important to this movie as well. I wonder if... Um, well, like, I do have a good sound part that I got for the TV, so, like, I did, like, it's... Don't. I want to enjoy this even more. <laughs> I'll get to my veins. Um, but, yeah, that, I mean, other than that, like, I watched it, me and John watched it yesterday, and it was just, like, there's, there's just not, there's not a dull movement, like, moment in this you know because even like i took like no notes because i was like eh. <laughs> i don't want to look away <laughs> oh yeah like um, uh, and it's uh, uh scrumptious the way that it looks like <laughs> absolutely scrumptious no truly scrumptious uh cool well that was a portrait of a lady on fire which um, we spoken for longer than OJ made in America. <laughs> no, not quite, not quite. Actually, pro- actually, yes. Um, <laughs> um, so where can they find us? Regarding- they can find us on Facebook, The Recommendation Game, on Twitter, at The Rack Game, on uh, The Recommendation Game, at gmail.com. On Mondays 11 to 12, every second week on Dublin Digital Radio. You can also donate to Dublin Digital Radio on the Patreon page. And our uh, back episodes are on the Dublin Digital Radio Mix Cloud. Next week's, well, in two weeks, Ricardo was picking what movie? Akira Kurosawa's The Bad Sleep Well. Is this our second Kurosawa? Yeah, like uh, we did The Seventh Samurai before. Yes, yes. Um, we started watching uh, Rashomon uh, a couple of weeks ago. We didn't finish it. Must finish it. The damn good movie. Cool. Yes. And uh, Ran is also good, which is also a movie. I am not a walking ad for movies, sorry. <laughs> Please sponsor us. 
Uh, cool. Well, till then. <laughs> I was Orla McNeilis. I was Ricardo Deacon. Thanks for listening. See you next week.